Welcome to the Four Rivers Podcast, one of the ways our church is leaving the building. My name is Wes Dillon, and I'm one of many voices you'll hear on this podcast as we have a diverse and dynamic team. The following message is from the two-year anniversary on June 25th at Barrington's Moonshine Barn, as I had the privilege of celebrating the journey over the last two years. We hope you enjoy the following message. And so tonight, I want to give you a, uh, a message that I'm calling uh, the F-bomb, the chair, and the kingdom come. You're probably only going to remember one thing from tonight, so let's just call this message the F-bomb. This is, you see that, an F, and it is welded to what looks like a bomb. And I think that this, more than anything else, uh, as I reflect on our, our origins, I think that this sort of tells the story of how Four Rivers got started better than anything else. It was about three and a half years ago uh, that one of our friends, uh, it was around Christmas time, one of our friends said to uh, Casey and I, don't you ever invite me to your effing church. And we were (laughs) kind of knocked our, you know, knocked us back a little bit. And it was that moment that I just, I felt a little tap from the Holy Spirit saying, this is important. Listen to why she's saying that. And so I asked her, I said, what, so why, why would you say that? Why would you, you know, why, why would you, uh, why would you say, you know, don't, you know, <laughs> with such force? And she said, I love these projects that you guys are doing. I love the way that, you know, the canned food drive. I love the different initiatives that you're doing. But I haven't been in church since I was a child, and there's a reason I don't go, and I don't ever want to come to your church again. We had, um, about three and a half years ago, we had rented out the, uh, the high school auditorium at Oyster River High School, and there was a group of us that were all kind of finding our way. Like, like I think God's calling us to start a church. How's this going to look? And so we had a community Christmas service there, and, uh, and we, someone came up with the idea. said, let's take up a collection at the Christmas service. And 100% of the money, 100%, we're going to give it to a need that, that we're aware of in our community. And there were these two girls, uh, Shmital and Alita, I think, that were, were at the Freedom Cafe. They were flying back to India, and they were about $900 short of their ticket to go back. And so our friend, who, uh, was, uh, who told me about this, uh, was there at the service. And she said, uh, you know, so we took up this collection. Once you know, about $900 came in from the collection that night. And the next day, our friend came to our house, and we gave her the check for these girls to go back to India. And, she, and this is when she said, I, 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 that was a lovely service. That was amazing. You know, I, I haven't been to a, a church since I was a child. I'm an atheist. But that was an amazing, that was a beautiful service. And then she said, don't you ever invite me to your effing church. But we heard in that moment that there was a that there is a pent up need in our community that the people in our community are not interested in going to a building they're not interested in, in an institution but when they, they see the poor and the marginalized and the oppressed and they see the people of God caring for those on the margins I have seen our community come out in incredible ways. So we, you know, with, uh, with 
the leadership that Casey I gave and with the team. And I think some of you became aware of like, you know, the, many of you have been a part of our initiative to bring first the Wallazada family here and then to, to bring Dima and Elena here. And, you know, we went, went through that initiative. We saw over the course of the initiative with the Wallazadas, we saw 160 people from our community get involved to be involved with the refugee resettlement. We had maybe at the beginning uh, 40 people from our church that were involved. That means 120 people from our community that had no connection to Four Rivers got involved to help someone because they saw something they wanted to do, that they wanted to do to help. That I think the church is in a unique position to provide connections to people. And so our friend, uh, when he saw this, saw these articles came out. I think it was March, March 26. And then the day that these articles, that they went live, our friend sent me this text. Said, I just read the article all about Four Rivers did for the family from Afghanistan. You two have created real change, and I love how many wonderful people you brought together to work on something so lovely. It is incredible to see how well you can organize and implement an idea and how thoughtfully you can bring it to life. It's incredible work, and I'm over here just so grateful to both of you. Thank you. And I, I just sat there in awe that over the course of a year and a half that the exchange would go from don't you ever to saying what you're doing, what you're doing is a good thing. And, of course, we responded and said, you know, it's not just us. So I just said thank you for the encouraging note. Case I had the privilege of a front row seat to see our community show who they are, incredibly generous and thoughtful. So many were just waiting for an opportunity like this. But praise be to God who just arranged all of the details to come together to make that happen. And then, you know, I think you also have... Uh, I have seen so many of the artifacts. Like we had the University of New Hampshire, we had their occupational therapy group get involved and put together these guides for when they were here for the first day of school. And then what I also had the privilege of seeing was on the day that they moved in, there was a photographer that had come from one of the local uh, papers online. And as she went from room to room, there was a point, I think it was when she saw this little pink house and she saw how it had been set up so cute. She just, she just broke down in tears. And she's like, can you, just, can you just give me a minute? Can you just give me a minute? And, and then she went to the other room, and it just the tears kept coming. The tears kept coming. And it's like there's, there, there's something that happens, I think, in the heart of a human being when they see, they see God's people, when they see humans do for other humans out of expecting nothing in return. And it, and it just is a beautiful moment. This is the one that, this is this moment that gets me every time. You probably, some of you have heard me talk about it. But it was, a few, it was, the, it was the following week. It was the first day of school for, uh, for the Wallazada children. And that morning, Casey and I got over there early to take them to school, or to, to get them on the bus. And it was just a buzz of activity around the whole house. And uh, Miriam and Muhammad were over to our left. And as, uh, as their older girls got onto the bus, which you have to remember, they're over 12 years old. As they got onto the bus, they were just, they were, they were crying. They were, and, and, we, and after they got on the bus, they just kept saying, thank you, thank you for saving us, thank you for saving us. 
And we didn't quite understand what was so emotional about that moment. But then Casey and I got in our car and we realized that on this day that they were having their first day of school in Epping, it was the last day of school in Afghanistan for girls over 12 years old. And it just, you know, for Casey and I in that moment, just we're so grateful saying, wow, thank you, Lord, that we just got to be in a position of like of being able to like make this happen for this family, of being able to serve them in this way. This was so, and, and it wasn't just like Casey and I were part of this whole community, 160 people that all came together to make that house remodeled with John and Maggie, where you worked like tirelessly early in the morning, late at night to like make that happen. We saw so many stories of people just, you know, Harry and Sally show up with pools. We saw Linda show up just to drop off a TV. <laughs> and then <laughs> just drew her in more and more. But so many ways just to like, to provide an opportunity for this family. When, uh, when uh, the Wallazadis, when they left, uh, Muhammad, um, Muhammad em embraced me before he went to Sacramento. And we, we were both crying. And he said, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving my family. I said, Muhammad, I, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't just me. It was this whole team. It was this whole community. We love you. We want the best for you. And he said, thank you for saving me. And that was one of the most incredible moments of my life, to just to be able to get to experience that. And it has made me so passionate to say, you know what, I, I don't want to just experience this for myself. I want to offer this to as many people in our community as, as, as are willing to be a part of that. I had breakfast with uh, a friend of mine from the community uh, and uh, and was telling him about this. This is someone who manages an outrageous amount of other people's money, doesn't have to worry about money. And he said, I would love to be a part of something like that. And I think that that speaks for a majority of people in our community. They're not interested in institutions. They're not interested in buildings. They're not interested in dogma. But when they see the poor, the marginalized, and oppressed, they say, I, I want to do something about that. I think for the last several years, what we've been doing at Four Rivers is that we've been doing a lot of experimentation. We've been trying things. And we're not sure if it's going to work or not. But by the grace of God, I think that God has showed us that there is a way that we can invite people to follow Jesus. And the, our community on the other side says, yeah, I want to be a part of that. I think our friend who says, you know, I don't want to come to your effing church, but I do want to care for the poor. I do want to care for the marginalized. I do want to be the rest. I am up for that. And so I look into the future. I just want to invite the rest of you. I look five years into the future when the Wallace articles, when they start to graduate from high school, when they start to go on to college, and the way that we're going to get to see how they're a part of it. And what does this come back to? What does it come back to? It comes back, like, making that possible. It all came back to this, in many parts of it, to this moment when uh, this, this woman, <laughs> Linda Ferreira, showed up just to drop off a TV. She said, I'm just going to drop off a TV. I don't want to get involved anymore. And then any of you that know Linda know the story of the Walls Out. She uh, uh, became their beloved adopted grandmother and cared for them. And, and, it, just, and it made such an incredible connection with them. 
you know, I think though for a lot of us, the way that we, we think about how we're going to make a difference, I think that in ways it can be kind of intimidating. We think, oh, it's, it's like super complex. But really what it means is just doing something very simple and very mundane. Um, just to kind of give you an idea of like how I see that fleshing out in our uh, context. Um, my best friend Drew is here. And he's, uh, we've been best friends since we were four years old. And uh, he's been a part of our management team over the last few years. And uh, our lives have just been intertwined in some really cool ways. And so I'm just going to ask Drew to share, like, uh, from our journey, uh, what I think is just a really uh, relevant uh, story, like how it's, I see it's going to work here with us. So. Hello, New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, I'm Drew. Um, I flew out here yesterday from Seattle. Uh, Wes and I decided we are better friends far apart. No, that's not true. <laughs> I love this guy, um, and I'm grateful to be here and watch something that he's created uh, with his beautiful wife and all of you guys. So I did write stuff down because I thought that would be better than riffing for the next 45 minutes. Is probably what it would turn into, so I'll make it quick. Um, but I wanted to talk about the mundane, and I, one of the things he talks about is this church has left the building, and I think that can be a great tagline, but it can be confusing if you don't know what that might look like in a normal, everyday life. So when it comes to making an impact on others' lives, it turns out that frequently it is the mundane, simple stuff. You know, like a chair that someone pulls out for you for the 2,383rd time, as they invite you into their home. So for me, uh, it was the Dillon family that first impacted me. At four years old, uh, our mothers were, <laughs> our mothers, sorry, Wes, our mothers were afraid that Wes wouldn't have any friends. <laughs> uh, when we started kindergarten, so they forced us to play together. Uh, it's true, I was bright, and uh, it, it, <laughs> it worked out. Uh, we did hate it sometimes, but most of the time we loved it, and we've been best friends ever since. Um, you know, Star Wars toys were replaced by Atari, all those, yeah, yeah, class of 90. Um, video games, dirt bikes, and getting our driver's license, and then girls, and then mountain bikes, and skiing, and girls, and then camping, and girls, and then um, Wes as my best man at my wedding. In the same year that he got married, I got to be the best man at his wedding. Our lives have been stuck, or maybe intertwined, whichever word you like better. Um, but we have lived a very parallel life. Um, and uh, thank God for that. Um, I, I, just a quick context, non-religious upbringing, maybe anti-religious upbringing. But um, we were at each other's house all the time. Um, at the Dylan's house, I was always welcome, and there was this ugly extra chair. Speaking of the chair, it was yellow vinyl and had a flower print. Very 70s. Um, and his mom would always pull it up if I stayed for dinner. A few weeks ago, true story, a few weeks ago, I texted Wes just the simple seven digit number 772 7788. Phone number that Wes grew up with. A few minutes later, he texted back 772-1433, the number I grew up with. Party line. Anybody know what a party line is? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you see, 
I loved Wes's intensity, but I wasn't interested in his faith, or Jesus, or especially church. Uh, until my 40s, actually. So in 2007, my first daughter was born. I wasn't quite 40. Uh, something changed when, I, when, your first, when your first kid's born. Any of us have experienced that. Something changed, and some of the questions that I didn't really care to ask became important to ask. Like, why did I get this gift knowing who I am? Hmm, maybe there's something I need to investigate. Um, so in, in 2013, um, he popped up randomly in Seattle uh, for the day that I got baptized. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, it, 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 that was a big deal to him. Um, I didn't really care. As you can probably tell by my reaction right now. So, um, but it was amazing how, no matter how much I tried to like, avoid the concept of God and church and stuff, he kept bringing me people like Wes. And Wes and the Dylan were the constant. And hopefully, patience was one of the messages you get from this conversation. Um, 40 years. I'm a slow learner, so most people go faster than that, I would assume. Um, I couldn't tell if I was going going crazy, but I, the closer I got to church, I remember that's, that I had someone who welcomed me into the, their home for their entire life, for my entire life, and I saw an authentic faith lived out of the Dillons. Was it perfect? Well, have you met him? <laughs> but but it, was, it was beautifully flawed, and it was quirky, and it was wonderful, and it was confusing, and it was real. And I think of uh, the scripture about the sowing and the soil. And I think a lot of times that's a, that story is interpreted one way. I, I interpreted it a way through my own lens, which is my soil changed over my life. Um, and the sowing needed to just keep happening, and it did. Um, I, I learned when I was in the questioning phase, I learned about somebody who was questioning who said, um, God's in a house, and I keep running around trying to figure out how to get in there. And there's always... The doors are always locked, and it's super frustrating. And I related to that until I realized that I was in the house, and I was the one closing the door, and God was around trying to let me get me to let him in. Um, so people like Wes and the Dillons, my wife, um, people like you that I meet, changed the world for me, my kids. Um, and now to this day, even though I live in Seattle, my wife and I can fly into Denver on a whim, which we have, show up at dinner time unannounced at Jim and Lois Dillon's house, and they will welcome me in and feed me, and they still have that damn ugly chair. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, I think as I look into our future, I just, I see this happening for all of us and others who haven't joined us yet. That it's not something big and flashy, but it's it's next door. It's the people that are in your life. And just, you know, we say this a lot around here, we're not in a hurry. We're not in a hurry. But just to see God do a good, enduring work in our midst and caring and loving for those who are our neighbors, who are our friends, who are our coworkers, who are our family. And I just, what I have come to see more and more, um, 
is the, the theme of Scripture is that God binds those who are strong in a certain way to those who are weak in a certain way. God binds the wealthy in a certain way to those who are poor in a certain way. Just before this, I was talking to Linda, and she said, you understand it was a blessing to me, maybe more so than to those kids. And I look out five and ten years, and I see this church refusing to just do good things. I see this church aspiring to do great things. When Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, freedom to the oppressed, sight for the blind, healing for the sick, and to announce that the year of the Lord's Savior has come. I consider it such a privilege to get to lead in this context a body who takes that seriously. and says, Lord, use my one and only light, my one and only house. Use what I have to impact those around me. And so, as I, just, as I reflect on this, I am, I am deeply grateful for the way that we get to journey together. I'm so excited to look into the future with you. And uh, I, I got to put this slideshow together, and it was just so fun to, um, to, uh, to kind of reflect on what God has done for us. I'm glad you were able to join us. You can find us at fourriverschurch.org. Remember, our website starts with the number four, and you can engage with us there find links to our calendar, social media, and all our resources. If we haven't met you yet, we look forward to meeting you soon.